Well, kia ora whanau, no mai, haere mai, ko mat toku ingoa. Um, what a privilege and a joy it is just to, to be together, to be with God's people and just enjoy God's worship and enjoy His grace and, and being together. Just, I just, it's just such a good time uh, to be together like this. And I hope you're all well and, and, uh, and enjoying um, family time together. And isn't there just a lot to be thankful and grateful for uh, at the moment? Uh, as you uh, may know, I've been working through a Romans uh, Bible study series, and um, you can find this on our King's Church uh, YouTube channel. And uh, earlier this week, we posted part six, which was looking at Romans 9, 10, and 11. Um, not the easiest chapters to work through, but I'm really encouraged with how they came out, and so I'd encourage you to have, uh, have a look at them uh, if you get time. And now that just leaves Romans 12 through to 16, which I'm going to be preaching uh, out of today making today my last Romans uh, Garage Session Bible Studies, which I'm really happy with because my garage is getting really freezing uh, this time of the year. Now, we won't be working through all of the verses in all of these chapters, but I want to share a message out of chapter 12, looking at verses 1 through to 8. So grab a Bible, grab your iPad, whatever you've got, and we're going to just look through some verses uh, together. Romans uh, 12, 1 to 8. So as you're, as you're um, grabbing your Bible, I want you to begin by thinking for a moment um, about Paul's letter to the Romans. And I want you to consider its enormous influence uh, over the past 2,000 years. Just have a think. Have a think about all of the nations it has impacted. Have a think about the countless number of saints that have, you know, grasped something of gospel truth through this letter. The amount of, uh, you know, literature and weddings and funerals that this letter has spoken into. You could argue, actually, it is the most significant letter written in human history. But the reality is this, and it's, it's something that I love. This letter was sent by Paul via a local businesswoman to a small diverse group of perhaps 150 or so Christians meeting in smaller groups across their region. And it was this small group of Christians that was to receive and digest and live out the truths in this grand letter. And I just, I love that accessibility, you know, that we don't want to make a monument out of Romans. It was actually to be read and received by a local church like theirs and a local church like ours. If you were to, list, uh, if you were to look at the, the list of names in, in Romans 16, we can learn a thing or two about the church. First of all, we see that it was a, a very multicultural church, a multi-ethnic church. And, you know, we can glean that perhaps they met in three, four, maybe five groups across their region. And what we know of Roman houses at the time is that it may have housed, I don't know, maybe 30 people. So you're looking at a small group of people. As one commentator puts it, what we have then is a small vulnerable church needing to know and trust one another across various boundaries. A church, many of whose members were not native to Rome, uh, living most likely in immigrant communities. A church where families and households form the basis of worshipping communities. There is something both attractive and frightening about this picture. Enormous potential, huge risks, a community both lively and vulnerable. 
And it was this small, slightly uh, vulnerable church and all their diversity that was called to work out the transforming truth of the gospel message and let that truth transform their community life, who were then uh, in turn to reach a diverse local population and then impact the nations. I mean, talk about a church punching far above their weight. Talk about a church belying their, their size and resources. Talk about a massive prophetic calling to be a multicultural church. The thing I love about that though is they were to work that out right from the beginning, right from the humble grass roots. Now, Farno, weighed up of course, but I propose that this is exactly where we find ourselves as a church now. We have a very clear prophetic calling that we want to be a diverse multicultural church and also a church that would honour the unique bicultural foundations of Aotearoa. And at the moment at least, we are unable to meet all together but we gather in smaller groups across our region. And so I just find the similarities between what the Roman church was going through and what we're going through actually quite, quite striking. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, and then I'm going to walk through these verses and see what, what we can learn from them. So I hope you're, hope you're up for that. So Romans 12, 1 to 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If serving, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So let's just walk through these uh, verses now and see what we can learn. So first of all, verse 1 and 2. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Don't conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, in the flow of Romans as a whole, the whole letter, God's mercy to all is a major theme of Romans 9, 10, and 11. And check out that uh, video I was talking about earlier if you want to unpack more. And that is God's mercy to both Jew and Gentile to bring them into God's love, his, his covenant relationship with them. And 9, 10, and 11 unpack this amazing truth that in Christ, God's covenant people, Abraham's offspring, has been widened and redefined to be a Jew plus Gentile, multi-ethnic, unified family. 
Now, Paul knew that this would require a, a new level of unity that would challenge their current way of thinking. It would require them to have a renewed mind of just what God was up to and who his covenant people were. Think for a moment about Christ's challenge to the Apostle Peter to embrace Cornelius and his whole family in Acts chapter 10. It's a beautiful story, a beautiful chapter about this very thing we are uh, talking about. So go and have a look at that uh, in your own time as well. But it's kind of like what Paul is saying is that if you want to grasp what God has been up to, it's going to require a new way of thinking. And he begins to unpack uh, this thinking in verse 3. He says, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think soberly or modestly about yourself. And see, what this will do is make space and make room both for what God is doing and also the people that he will add to us. And this reminds me of, of Delhi's challenging prophetic word at the start of this year about making space for what God is doing amongst us and hey, get ready because he is adding people to us in this multicultural sense. You see, both Jew and Gentile in Paul's day had, had reasons to sort of jostle for space and, and not, not give others room. They both had reasons for, for pride and uh, potentially arrogance as well. But Paul knew that this would only result in disunity. Paul wants them to recognize, to renew their thinking with this idea that actually now in Christ they are one body. He says they are no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. You are all one in Christ. Now the amazing thing is, is that this is actually not a threat to being a multicultural church. As if everyone now has to sort of think and act in the same way or follow the same customs or, or even follow the dominant culture of a given church. You know, sort of blending out and smoothing all these differences, finding happy compromises on everything. Rather, this being one body in Christ created the very the needed environment of love and honour in which those cultural differences could be honoured and even protected. It's a beautiful thing. And Romans chapter 14 and 15 make that very clear. Despite all of your differences, love and accept one another. Give, give space to one another. Allow these differences in love. Now, a practical point for us as, as a church is that as we gather in smaller groups across the regions, it's, it could be fair to say that cultural differences can become uh, more apparent. But as they do, we, we don't want to shy away from our calling to be a multicultural community. But actually, we want to work through these differences in love, as we honour one another, and actually, as we think soberly about our own preferences for how church life should be expressed in these groups. So Paul goes on in verse 4 and 5. Uh, he takes this point even further again. He, he says, In Christ, though we are many, we form one body. Now, I don't know about you, but I find the use of uh, Paul's use of the a body metaphor intriguing. Now, just remember, he is sharing this to an ethnically diverse and possibly ethnically divided church. And there he is explaining that they are one body in Christ, no longer Jew or Gentile, but that at the same time the body is divided into different members with differing functions. 
Now, at this point, I kind of half expect them to use this metaphor to address cultural divides in the church. As if, as if you know, Paul is kind of saying, well, okay guys, you know, you have these, these cultural differences, you know, well, just think of it kind of like, you know, you're an arm and you're a leg and, uh, you know, <laughs> respect each other over the fence, it's all good, you're kind of like a body. But I find it really interesting, he doesn't actually use the analogy in that way. On cultural divisions or divides, he is very clear. You are one in Christ. So that begs the question, well, what are these lines of division? What are these differences? Well, what I've been learning is that they are grace gifts imparted by God's Spirit. The charismatic gifts distributed by God amongst his people. Now, a careful reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe, reinforces this view. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, you see that Paul there is speaking into or explaining spiritual gifts. And there he says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, actually, but of many. Now, in the context of that chapter, the many parts are then explained and worked out down the lines of spiritual gifts. So you could say that these gifts divide down lines of grace. But listen to this. Grace divides in order actually to bring a deeper unity and harmony and strength to the church. And it does this by giving an opportunity of, of, for people of completely diverse and different backgrounds and cultures to serve and love and worship and praise God shoulder to shoulder, brother and sister. And this in turn would be a sign to the outside world that in Christ, in God's wisdom, God has achieved something truly marvellous. He has brought together one family under God in Christ, Jew and Gentile. And any divisions of grace actually just enrich the church by bringing a harmony to the church. Now, I'm not terribly musically uh, gifted, but from what I understand about harmony, it is this idea of different, differing notes uh, being played in a way that brings out yeah, a beautiful depth and sound that couldn't have existed otherwise. And that's exactly what Paul is calling for. Harmony. The difference, yes, but are working together in love. He is not calling for uniformity. <laughs> and and as, as, as this harmony is, is sung out, it is singing a glorious song of God's wisdom and mercy and love and grace. So the implication here is that what Paul is not saying to the Roman church is that Jewish Christians you should meet over here and Gentile Christians you should meet over, over there. He, he, he wasn't saying that it was okay just to stay on their respective sides of the fence, just honour each other from a, dif from a distance. Actually, what Paul expected, what he encouraged, was, was, it was a coming together of Jew and Gentile. And... <clears throat> And what this would do is, sorry, a coming together of, of Jew and Gentile, Māori and Pākehā, South African, Samoan, Dutch and Nigerian. You fill in the blanks of all the various cultures that are amongst us uh, in a body. 
and to exercise in those differences a level of unity and harmony across cultural and ethnic divides. Now just as a practical note, another practical note, uh, we find ourselves now meeting in, in smaller groups across the region. And I would just encourage us to think of these break, you know, these, these various groups as more of a geographical convenience running rather than running down the lines of anything else. Um, I'm conscious of that of that saying that says, birds of a feather flock together. And we 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 need to be aware of a tendency, at least I'm aware of a tendency in myself, to to tend to want to stick together with people that are similar to me. But actually in Christ it's different. In Christ it's birds of all feathers are to flock together. That is the glorious invitation. So whatever our meetings look like, wherever we're meeting and however many numbers, one thing we are sure, one of our key values is that we work in love together Yes, diverse, but in a unity that is evidence that we truly are a grace-filled community. So, moving on to verse 6, looking at gifts. Paul starts to unpack some of these gifts. He says in verse 6, uh, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So what this means in our groups is that we aim to encourage one another where grace is evident. We, we, we want to we champion people and we want to help them to, to grow in their gifting. We also, though, call out grace gifts prophetically before they are even evident. And this is why the gifts of encouragement and prophecy are such key gifts to, to building a strong local church, to building a body. So if you love to prophesy and you love to encourage, well you just prophesy your little heart out, you encourage your heart out and, and in that build the church strong. Um, and so what this looks like in terms of operating in gifts is that we meet alongside people very different to ourselves and we grow with them, we serve with them, we worship God together with them and in that the church is strengthened. Now in this passage uh, in, in Romans, there's seven gifts listed here. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading and showing mercy. But they are not an exclusive list. You can also have a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians 4 and there's lots of ways that the Spirit is moving amongst us to gift uh, the church and make it strong. And so in groups practically what's this, what this means is giving space and giving time and giving opportunity to exercise and grow these gifts and it means honouring and encouraging one another where grace is evident. Now, another little point I would raise is that at King's Church, we love truth like that found in Ephesians 4, where grace is active and that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But we understand that these gifts are not for people to be on a pedestal somewhere, but actually that they are to bring strength to the church, to equip the body for works of ministry. And as such, at King's, we long to see grace gifting at work in the whole body and the body fully functioning. That is what these grace gifts are for. 
all the while understanding that Christ is the one at the head of the church. And so with that, we heed verse 3 about thinking soberly and modestly about ourselves. We understand that any gift we operate in is actually for the mutual building up of the church and not to serve our own interests. And it's this being willing to think about others and not serve ourselves that leads nicely into Romans 12 verses 9 through to 16. This section of verses I'm not going to read out or, or to preach from, but I'd encourage you to, on the back of this talk, in your own time, to have a look at it. It's, it's, this, this passage begins with an encouragement to love one another and finishes with the church being uh, expressing a unity and a harmony. So it's working together in love that results in a harmony. And this passage, when you look through it, is, is full of just practical advice. almost sort of speaks uh, for itself. Honour one another above yourself. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. <laughs> Actually, this passage could easily form a practical guidance manual for group life over the next coming weeks uh, as, we, as we look to grow as a multicultural church and work out group life. So I'd encourage you as groups, if you're looking for material, hey look, there's a, this is a great starting point here. So read it, unpack it, pray through it, and, and really show love in, pra in practice, in practical ways that will lead to a real a harmony and unity in the church. So, well done for sticking through. There's a bit to get through there. Um, but just to summarize, we've been I've been reflecting this morning on our season as a church, as we are beginning to meet in smaller groups. And actually, our prophetic calling at Kings to be a multicultural church. Uh, we've looked at this idea that God's mercy in Christ has resulted in God's covenant people being widened to be a multicultural community. And we carry that calling as well where all cultures are one in Christ. And we, we aim to provide a place of love and honour in which cultural differences are worked through, not blended out or erased. And it's this beautiful unity that demonstrates, that speaks of what God has achieved in the Gospel. We looked at grace gifts and... Um, we saw that grace divides actually in order to bring a deeper unity and strength to the church. And in all of this, we seek to be a community of love, what it all boils down to. In all of its practical expressions, we express love to one another. And this results in a beautiful harmony. So, God bless you all. And I'm really looking forward to seeing some of you uh, in the groups in, in, the, in the days to come. So I just encourage you, just be the church. Love one another and express this um, in all these practical ways that you can. So, bless you and I'll see you later.